praise God. And I'm thankful for his touch that I feel in this house. Praise God. Amen. I'm kind of, again, filling out the will of the Lord here. I came with one message on my heart. And I'm feeling the tug to maybe go a different way. The only problem is I left the notes or the iPad in the office. So we just kind of flow with it, if that's all right. If you have your Bibles and invite your attention to the book of Psalms, Psalms 142. Psalms 142. And we'll begin reading with verse 1. And I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed, therefore, or before him, my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed, ever, anybody ever felt like your spirit was overwhelmed? When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare before me. I looked on my right hand and beheld and but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. And up at the heading, as you'll see many times in the Psalms, up at the heading, I don't know what your translation or your Bible, maybe even the printers of your Bible placed there, but it indicates in mind that this is a psalm of David, and then it says, a little caption, it says, a prayer when he was in the cave, a prayer when he was in the cave, and I just want to, I want to use this as a subject title tonight, use your cave. Use your cave. Praise God. Would you lift up your hands and your voices along with me and let's pray together right now that the Spirit of the Lord would touch us and help us, strengthen us, move upon us. Would you pray? God, I'm asking you to touch us as a people tonight. Strengthen us through your word. I pray that your word would touch the hearts of individuals in this house. We thank you for this opportunity to be here this evening. We're thankful, O oh God, for your anointing that we have felt throughout this day. I pray you would bless and move in this sanctuary tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Would the church clap their hands to the Lord again and give him praise. 
Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We know that there are several caves that are mentioned in the Word of God and significant things that surrounded these caves and the people that entered into them, their experience while there, uh, is really what I want to emphasize and focus on here tonight. I want to tell you that caves are not normally where we go for inspiration. I've entered into a few caves in my lifetime. One of you uh, mentioned to me not long ago of visiting the cave in Branson there that is uh, where Silver Dollar City is. And uh, I don't know what they call that cave. I've forgotten the name of it. But it's a deep, deep cave. It goes way down. And uh, there's a great big dome in it. And there they used to have uh, music festivals and entertain people in that great big area, in that dome. And uh, I thought to myself, this is not necessarily a place that I'd like to go to be inspired or to go hear a concert. Or if I was a person of the world, I wouldn't think of going to a cave to dance. It's just not a place of inspiration. It's a place of sameness. About all of them are the same. They are all dark, all seem to be damp and uh, uninspiring, and uh, there is a certain aloneness that you feel. I don't know about you, traveling through the few that I've been in, I've thought to myself, I sure wouldn't want to get caught in here alone or be here overnight by myself. Uh, I heard him talking about bats that hang from the top of the cave that fly around in the darkness. And uh, I thought, well, I, I wouldn't want to be caught here by myself. Those uh, caves are, are not a place that we look for inspiration. But nevertheless, the Scripture says that David found some inspiration here. And he prayed a very poetic and meaningful and powerful prayer from this cave. This is certainly not the only time that he had visited a cave because there was on several occasions where he, he found himself seeking refuge. I remember when we were over in Israel and we were in the wilderness there where Saul was pursuing him and they noted to us that this is the wilderness where David sought refuge. This is where he hid his time of uh, uh, being in exile away from King Saul, running for his life. And it talked about in the Bible about the heels of the wild goats. And I never really understood or could I get a picture of that until I arrived there in Israel and I saw those heels that were literally barren, some of them very sharp and steep as they went up. And then I noticed the caverns, and I couldn't help but think as I would see these curvatures and caverns and caves and the sides of those mountains, I couldn't help but think, is one of them where David would try to seek a little bit of solace and refuge and a hiding place from his enemy, his pursuer Saul. And maybe this is where he wrote these psalms that he wrote from the cave. Maybe this is where he got the inspiration for these songs and prayers that he prayed unto God. I think I need to take you back just a few moments and talk to you about uh, the Hebrew language when it comes to a cave. In the Old Testament when it refers to a cave, it calls it mihirah, which is simply this. It simply is a reference to uh, a womb. 
uh, or a place of transformation. It is also known uh, as a place of awakening, of awakening. And I think that is significant. Uh, when you look at the caves in the Bible, in particular here we're talking about the ones uh, that David found himself in. We know that there was the cave of Adullam where there was those men, those ragtag men that came and joined themselves with him. And this was not a very inspiring bunch either. Uh, they were in debt. They were in distress, the Scripture says. They were down on their luck. And you read about them in First Samuel, and then when you turn around and read about them in Second Samuel, there has been a transformation that has taken place in these men. No longer are you reading about men that are down on their luck, that are distressed, that are in debt, uh, that are in despair, but you're reading about mighty men that are taking, uh, taking ground for God, that are, that are going against enemies of the Lord's people, that are defending uh, David. Uh, he inspired them, and so they went on from that, and they acquired their own victories. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, we need to learn as the generation coming on, young people here, young adults here, young marrieds here, uh, everybody under 40, and I'll be there for a few more weeks, praise God. Everybody under 40 needs to learn from that previous generation what God has done for them and the victories that they have won. We too need to be inspired by that, but not just inspired. We need to do something about it. We need to win our own victories. We need to see our own revivals. We need to see our own breakthroughs. We need to see our own moves of God. We need to pray down our own outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We need to, we need to get through to a place in our relationship with God where we see our own victories. I don't want to just talk about the past and I don't want to just talk about previous generations. I'm thankful for it. We wouldn't be here without it. But I believe that God wants us to go on and see greater things in the future. Can somebody say praise the Lord? particular uh, instance, I believe it is talking about the time when David is on the run. He is by himself. He, he, he's, uh, he's, he's feeling the loneliness of it all, and, and he's in this cave. Now, he did have a small company of men. Uh, when I say he was by himself, I mean that he was separated from those that he uh, felt close to his family, the ones that he loved. He felt exiled and separated from everything that uh, he felt his purpose in life was to achieve. He, he didn't see how it was all going to come together. He had heard what the prophet whispered in his ear when he anointed him with oil and said, you're going to be king of Israel. But right now it looked like a very distant thing. How many has ever felt something on a Sunday night, felt the power of God and and the Holy Ghost moving, you felt like, man, God gave you a word, confirmed some things to you. And then a few weeks from that moment, you look back on that and it seems like you're further away from it than you were when you heard it the first time. 
How many has ever been at that point that you feel so separated from uh, the things that God has placed in your heart, the vision or the dream that you have? It seems so distant. It seems so aloof. It seems so unobtainable. But I'm telling you, just because uh, that you're in a dark place, just because uh, you're in a cave, if I could say it that way, just because it seems like you've been separated from, from everything that you felt close to does not mean that what God said is a lie. It does not mean that what God said isn't true. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be fulfilled or God isn't going to bring it to fruition in your life very soon. Praise the Lord. But as he's there wondering how it's all going to happen, ducking from Saul and worried about Saul taking his life, lo and behold, Saul steps into the mouth of that cave. Now, David's back in the in the hinder parts of that cave and he can see out towards the opening where there's light but you know how it is coming from a, uh, the outside into a dark room you can't see in and your eyes are not able to penetrate in to the darkness so he could not see David or his men he thought that he was going there into that cave alone and as he was there David's men said look at this This has to be an act of God. This has to be the blessings of the Lord. I mean, we've been running and hiding and ducking and diving, and we've been hiding out and worried about our lives, couldn't sleep, and uh, always fretting about Saul finding us. And look here, God has delivered him under our hands. Go ahead and take his head off, David. Go ahead and kill him. It It looks like God has done this for you. And he shakes his head no. And they can't understand it because they're almost angry about it because not only has David's life been threatened, but everybody that's with him's life has been threatened. So they, they feel like David ought to take advantage of this opportunity. But David said, no, I would rather have him kill me as for me to learn his ways. I would rather him take my life than to let what's in the heart of that man get in the heart of me. And there's something that happened in that cave at that moment. There was a transformation that took place at that very time. It was as if God said, all right, that's the kind of man that I can give power to. That's the kind of man that I can give anointing to. That's the type of man that I can give dominion and authority and anointing and I can place it upon his life because he's not going to abuse it. He's not going to take vengeance against his enemies. He's not going to let rage cause him to do something that is out of character. What's in the heart of that man is what needs to be sitting on the throne of Israel. And even later... He repented because he cut off a little piece of his garment and he stood before Saul and he said, why is it? Why is it that you pursue me? He said, uh, what am I to you, a dead dog or a flea? Why would you leave your throne, your palace, uh, your place of authority and all the business of the kingdom to come and chase somebody like me who is really not a threat to you at all? 
And isn't it amazing how jealousy and envy and these things that get in people's heart can cause them to do things that really makes them look foolish. Amen. Pursuing after really a man that could not defend himself against all the resources that Saul had as far as the physical was concerned. But David had something riding on him. He had an anointing on his life. And when Saul saw him, he said, you are more righteous than I am. He made this proclamation. He said, you're more righteous than I. And he made this statement. He said, surely the Lord is going to make you king over all of Israel. What looked like a cave, what looked like a a place of darkness, a place that David perhaps could not understand when he entered it, when he emerged, everybody, even his enemies, were able to see that there's an anointing that rests upon the life of David that that we couldn't see before. I'm going to tell you, you may enter in one way. You may go to that place one way. You may go through that trial with one thing in your heart or one attitude or one spirit. When when you emerge from that, when you get on the other side of that, everybody's going to be able to tell there's an anointing on their life. There is favor upon their life. There is something that God has for them. Even I can see. Even your enemy is going to be able to see it. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's not only that cave in the Scripture, but there's others that are talked about. I know the very first cave that is mentioned in the Scripture was when Lot was was leaving Sodom. And I know there's a lot of negative details in this story. There's a lot of things that are hard for us in in our culture to get our minds around. And I, I'm not going to deal with that. But they, he along with his daughters found themselves in a cave, hiding, thinking that they were, were the only ones left. And uh, we know that when they entered in that cave, there was just three of them that uh, wondered if there's any hope, if this is not the end. And uh, maybe there is going to be no more as far as our family is concerned. But when they came out of that cave, we have to acknowledge the fact that there was two mighty nations that came out. Both Moab and Amnon came out of that cave. When they emerged, they were just refugees. But when they came out, they came out mighty nations. I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter how you go in. You can come out totally different than the way that you went into that circumstance. Oh, somebody don't hear me tonight. It doesn't matter how that you went into that circumstances. But if you keep your spirit right, you keep your attitude right, you let God work on you, you let God do some things within you, you let a transformation take place. Come on, that cave is the womb where God's trying to burst something, where God's trying to move. If you'll quit trying to figure it out on your own and let God help you, there's no telling what he could do in your life. Oh, somebody ought to give a shout of praise right now. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen. We know, we know that the second cave that is mentioned in the scriptures, also in the book of Genesis. And the Bible tells us that when Sarah died, that Abraham 
bought a field that had a cave in it from a man, I believe his name was Ephron, if my memory serves me well. And he, he paid the price to buy this cave that his wife would be buried in and then him in turn would be buried there also. It was a cave called Machpelah, which is still known today as the cave of couples because not only he was buried there and his wife Sarah, but also his son Isaac and his wife Rebecca, and also along with Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob buried Leah there and then he was also buried there. So these people went in to that cave, if I could say it this way, dead bodies. But they're immortalized to this very moment as patriarchs and forefathers to the nation of Israel and by extension to us, the people of faith. They are inspiration to us today and guiding lights to us today and examples to us today. They went in dead bodies. It seemed like there was nothing left that they could offer any future generation. But now they're immortalized as examples to you and I. They have a legacy that lives on. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how you enter. It matters how you come out. It doesn't matter how you go in. It matters how you come out. It doesn't matter what you go through. It's how you come out of what you go through that really does matter. I read about Joshua as he is defeating the enemies of God's people. And you know the story of how that they got into a battle and there was all kinds of different kings and different armies that were coming against them. And there was a time when the sun stood still and the moon stayed, stayed in its place. In other words, uh, everything, time was just stopped so that Joshua could have victory. He needed a little bit more time. And so the Lord gave him the opportunity because God's interested in all of us having victory. God doesn't want you to suffer defeat. And he'll move heaven and earth so that you don't have to suffer defeat. He'll give you a miracle so that you can come out of it. He wants you to be an overcomer so bad that he'll change the laws of nature if he has to. So that you can be victorious. So that you can overcome. Don't tell me that God doesn't love you. Don't tell me that God's not on your side. Don't tell me that God isn't willing to work for you. He's willing to stop the sun for Joshua and say, stand still for just a little while so that he can get victory. God's willing to go to extremes to see people saved. To help people, to, to give victory to people. I feel this so strong right here. I feel like preaching it here tonight. God is willing to do anything that has to be done so that you can be reached. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. If we just give way to testimony here tonight, no telling. Maybe we didn't see the physical sun stand still, but God did have to move heaven and earth for a few of us. To be able to find him and to be saved. I'm looking at some miracles here tonight. That God made a way where there seemed to be none at all. 
When it looked like it was the final chapter, it was over with, the bell had already rung. God said, hold on just a minute. We're going into overtime. Amen. I've got a little bit more victory I want to give them. There's a little bit more that I've got for them. I'm not through with them yet. I know everybody else has given up on them. I know they've been checked off everybody's prayer list. But I've got news for you. It's not over yet. Oh, I come preaching to somebody here tonight. It's not over yet. It's not over for your family. It's not over. It's not over in your circumstance. It's not over in your marriage. It's not over yet. Come on, why don't you worship the Lord and believe Him right now? I know everybody feels like they give everything they could this morning, but I just feel a little bit more church here tonight. I feel like God is wanting to do a little bit more in this service even tonight. Praise God. And they came to him. Some of his front men came to him and said, Hey, we noticed there was five of the enemy's kings that went off in the cave over there. Joshua said, go put a rock over that cave. Put some stones over it. Imprison them there. Keep them held there until we get done fighting this battle. There's a few more skirmishes and a few little things to clean up here. And when we get done, we'll go deal with them. And when he went to the mouth of that cave and got these five kings out of it, the Bible tells us that he hanged them. These men went in as kings in authority. These kings went in as men that had dominion, power, control over certain aspects of even God's people. But when they came out, there were dead men walking because he hung them on the tree. Hallelujah. Oh, what's that typify, Brother Calhoun? I'm telling you, there may be some things that you've been wrestling with and battling with, and it may have been for years and decades and time has went by. You've been fighting and struggling and can't seem to get over it, and it seemed like you pray about it and you pray about it, and it doesn't seem like you ever get the victory. And you, 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 you come to church and you wrestle with it, and you wrestle with it in your personal prayer life. You, you wrestle with it day by day. Oh, it's not that you don't have a desire to live for God, but you're fighting this thing and you're dealing with this thing, and, and it seems like it's got a foothold. It has a certain amount of authority. It's got a certain amount of dominion in your life. But I believe God is going to take us to a place tonight that we're going to put those things under our feet. And when we emerge, we're going to emerge dead to those things. You no longer have authority over me. You no longer have dominion over me. You no longer have any kind of control over me. Things that used to deal with and be tempted with and struggle with and wrestle with. I believe God could give a, that may be the purpose of your trial so that you would have to wrestle that down and deal with it. You're not, you're not meant to just survive. You're meant to thrive as a saint of God. You're not meant just to get by. You're meant to have victory in your walk.
been struggling with that attitude, been struggling with that spirit of greed. I've been struggling with that jealousy, been struggling with that envy over here. Come on now. Been struggling with that old spirit of worldliness and carnality. Oh, come on. I believe that when we leave here, we can leave here and those things could be dead in our life. No more dominion in our life. No more authority. No more hold on us. You can get that spirit of lust out of your heart tonight. You can get that spirit of immorality out of your heart tonight. You can get that spirit and attitude of jealousy out of your heart tonight. You can get that addiction. It can be over with tonight. I believe that. I said I believe that. I believe that tonight. There's a reason why God has brought me into this place. Come on, it's time somebody use your cave. It's time somebody use your trial. Don't get down about it. Realize that God's bringing me up through this. God's taking me places through this. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Why don't we raise our hands and praise the Lord right now? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Appetites and desires and wrong attitudes and spirits that I've struggled with can be over tonight. Can be over can be over. Praise God. I read about yet another cave. The Bible said Elijah had, had a great victory on top of a mountain. He said the God that answers by fire, that's the God we're going to serve. Prophets of Baal, the prophets of Grove, they carried on throughout the day, but God didn't answer. Their gods didn't answer them. Finally, Elijah got up from where he was, repaired the altar because in their gyrations and in their heathenistic worship, they'd beat the altar down. They'd cut themselves up. It was a mess. He said, bring barrels of water and pour it. Gallons upon gallons and gallons of water were poured upon the altar as sacrifice, and it ran down in the ditches. And he prayed one simple prayer, and God answered by fire, and it not only consumed the sacrifice, but it consumed the wood of the altar. Not only the wood of the altar, but the stones of the altar were consumed by the fire. And all the water was licked up out of the ditches around it. You talk about a shouting happy day. You talk about a great victory. But all it took was one Jezebel to rain on his parade. All it took was one Jezebel saying, as you've made those prophets of Baal and prophets of Grove, I swear that I'm going to make even you. 
And so we see this man goes from this high pinnacle of success and victory down to this place of despair. And he goes out into the wilderness, lies down underneath a juniper tree, and he receives, he receives a meal, and an angel appears to him. And the Bible said that he went on the strength of that meat for 40 days, I believe it was. I'm going to tell you, that's why you can't afford not to be in church. I wouldn't miss one service if I could help it. I realize there's extenuating circumstances, there's things we can't, but I'm going to tell you what, when, when just laying out for no reason, you can't afford to do that. I said you can't afford to do that because that one meal, that one experience gave him 40 days worth of strength that sustained him. Praise God. Because the Lord knew the journey that was ahead. And God knows what you're going to face tomorrow. And you, you may say, well, I, I've been living for God ever how many years. But I'm going to tell you, you don't know. One service may make the difference in whether you're going to be able to make it or not. You may receive strength in that one service that will sustain you in the future. And so he finds this cave and he hides away and he says statements like, God, just kill me. Just take me out. I'm talking about low. I'm talking about as far down as you can possibly get. I mean just discouraged. He said, I'm about the only one that's still doing right anyway. I've met a few folks like that. I'm about the only one still living right anyway, so bless God. He said, no, there's a whole lot more that's never been the need to bail that's never worshipped a false god. You're not the only one. And the scripture says that as he stood at the mouth of that cave, God led him out there and he began to see things like he'd never seen before. He saw wind that was so strong and so powerful that would rip and tear the rocks to pieces. But God wasn't in it. He felt the earth begin to shake. An earthquake that come roaring through the land. But God wasn't in the earthquake. He saw fire. But God wasn't in the fire. But it was at the end of all of that. This is why you got to be sensitive to the Spirit. Because the Spirit's not always in the sensational. It's not always in the things that you think it's in. It's not always in the things that you suppose it's supposed to be in all the time. You've got to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost because sometimes it may try or it may, it may move in a different way that you're unfamiliar with. You're not going to put God in a box. I'm reminded of that story over there in Mark chapter 2 when the Bible says that they lowered that man down through the ceiling and there were people that said we never saw it on this fashion. They were expecting if there was any needs met, if there was any miracles that happened, that they would come through the door, the normal way of entry into this building. We've never seen it on this wise. I'm going to tell you, you're going to see a lot of things in the end times that you never saw before. But God's going to move and God's going to work. And I don't want to put God in a box. I think it's about time that we have church like they did in Mark chapter 2. We never saw it on this fast. I'm ready to have church like I've never seen it or had it before. Come on, I'm ready to have a move of God like we've never had a move of God before. Is anybody with me here tonight? You're ready to have a move of God like you've never had a move of God. 
still small voice spoke to him and gave him the courage that was needed to go from that point the rest of his journey. There was a transformation that took place. He went in that cave with one attitude. He went in that cave with one perspective about life and his ministry and what God had called him to do. But when he came out, he came out with renewed confidence. When he came out, it wasn't a big, big thing that happened. It wasn't wind, it wasn't fire, and it wasn't earthquake. The ground wasn't shaking. It was a still, small voice that he heard, but he knew this is of God. And when he came out of that cave, he emerged a different man. Oh, I don't know why I feel this so strong tonight, but I feel like somebody has entered into a, a place, a cave, if I could say it that way spiritually. And you felt darkness shroud you, and you felt loneliness, and you felt despair, and you felt, you felt all by yourself, and you've wondered, does God even know I'm here? You felt like Elijah. You've said, I, must, I, I, I might as well just give in. Everybody else has. Everybody else is doing it. I might as well just give up. You know, that's the mantra the devil tries to play to the, to the young people of our age. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is involved. No, everybody else isn't doing it. There's some people that their knees is not bowed. Amen. They haven't, they haven't given in. They haven't, they haven't uh, compromised with the world. and They haven't given in to carnality. They're still standing strong. Praise the Lord. They're still, they're still believing God and trusting the Lord that He's going to bring me out. Praise God. And I feel like that God is trying to show you something here. You've been in the in that place of awakening. God's trying to wake up some things in you. You know, I don't know why it is. Most of us don't pray near as effectively unless we got a problem. We don't get near as desperate until we got a problem. Whew. I've seen some people get pretty passionate about prayer when trouble came on, when problems arose in their life. Wouldn't hardly budge when everything was going good. Wasn't all that concerned about coming to the altar when everything was rosy. Oh, but all of a sudden, help me, Lord Jesus. I got some troubles in my life. I got to find an altar. I got to find a place of prayer. I need God. God, I need you. You got to show up. I need you to help me. I need you to hear me. I need you to work in my behalf. Maybe God put you in that cave so you'd cry out to him. Ever thought about that? Amen. And I'm telling you, no matter how you entered in that place, you can come out differently. I said, you can come out differently. You don't have to, it's not intended for you to stay the same man or woman as the way you went in. It's not intended for you uh, to allow that trial to beat you down and beat you up and cause you to give in or give up uh, or to quit or to yield anything to the devil. No, that's not the purpose of all of this. Uh, but there's something that God is trying to bring out of you. There's potential there that he's trying to extract out of you. There, there's, there's anointing there that he wants to place 
grace upon you. But he can't until you consecrate. He can't until you commit. He can't until you sell out. But if you'll sell out, you're going to go to another level. You're going to rise to greater things. Something's going to be awakened in you like never before. I'm here to tell you, I need to use this experience. That's what Joseph did. When he said, you boys, talking to his brothers, uh, he said, you meant it for evil. Yeah, you really thought you were getting to me. You thought you were destroying my dreams. You thought you were taking me down. But I'm here to tell you, if God gives a dream, uh, there is no devil nor man that can destroy it. So if God placed it in your heart, you can disbelieve God at His Word. You can stand on His Word. You can believe His promises. Just remain standing with me. Hallelujah. You can trust God. He said, you meant it for evil. Oh, but I'm telling you, God meant it for good. Oh, I've been in a cave, fellas. I've been in a lonely dungeon of darkness, fellas. I've been in a place where every bit of pride and every bit of arrogance and every bit of haughtiness and every bit of bitterness and every bit of strife and every bit of jealousy has been beaten out of me. I'm not holding anything against you, fellas. Because if I didn't get that out of my heart, I'd still be there. But I've been in the womb. I've been in the cave. I've wrestled through all those things. And I use that cave, yeah, to let God put some things in my heart and let God work on me so that now he could give me authority and dominion. He could give me anointing in areas that I need anointing. Am I preaching to somebody here tonight? God wants to give you new authority and new anointing and and new power and new dominion. But the only way you can get there is by you being willing. Come on, by you being willing to say, God, I want you to take everything in my heart. If Joseph would have still been a hater of his brethren, if he'd have still despised his brothers, if he'd have been had an attitude because the whole purpose of him being there and the whole purpose of God giving him the, the interpretation of the dream is so he could save his father and his brothers. Because like it or not, they were part of the nation of Israel. They were representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and uh, he said, uh, I, I, I'm bringing you to this point, and you may not understand everything that's went on to lead you to this place, but he said, I know what they meant for evil. I'm going to use for good. The devil may have ran you in that cave thinking this is going to be the end of you. I'm going to roll a stone over the front of it, and it's going to be it. Oh, no. But we're going to come out different people. I said, we're going to come out different individuals. Musicians, would you come please? I can't help but throw this one in. There is another cave in the scripture in the New Testament that we read about. And it's kind of relative to where we're talking about here today when we talk about the resurrection. The Bible tells me that they put him in a tomb. They put him in a cave. And they rolled a stone over the top of it. And the devil started shouting in the bowels of hell. And he said, it's over with. We finally got rid of him. Oh, no, that isn't at all what's going on. All of a sudden, there's a knock on the door of hell. And he said, I come to your house to get your keys. 
That cave was only used for three days. But when he stepped out of that cave, he had dominion. He had power. He had authority that he didn't have when he went into it. Come preaching to somebody, you need to use your cave. You need to use your circumstance. You need to use your trial. You need to turn it around on the devil. You beat me up and badgered me long enough. I'm coming out of here a different person. I'm coming out of here with authority. I'm coming out of here with power. It was in a cave. That David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise, even in a cave, yes, bless your heart in a cave. Because I'm not staying here, I'm coming out of here. I've got authority. I've got power. I'm an overcomer. God's going to give me dominion. I'm coming out of here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's rejoice a little bit on Resurrection Sunday. What do you say? Why don't you take somebody by the hand and dance a little bit right now? Why don't you take somebody by the hand and worship with them a little bit? Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Let's shout a little bit here tonight.